when your brain is kind of more malleable in the morning, you can be creative, you can be driven, you can be focused, and you can get more done in the first couple hours of the day than you can in an eight-hour workday. This is Intentionally Ever After. Join Intentional Lifestyle Coach Joe Bukartek for a series of personal conversations and coaching sessions with various people about how living with intention shows up for them. All right, now we're live. So, Alex, if I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, how would you do so in a way that you want to be presented to the world? I would introduce myself as an intentional lifestyle coach as well, Joe. I work with young professionals and I help them to figure out and to build their foundation for their future. And what I mean by that is help them think about all domains of their life rather than just their career, right? So we're taught to just focus on our career, but I help people kind of expand that out and create a vision plan for their relationships and for their community and most importantly for themselves. Like how do they show up for themselves in the world? Yeah. So what areas do they typically not think about? Because you said most people typically think about career and you're bringing in the other areas. What area are they typically not expecting or are they not typically thinking about? I say the two most common are relationships and themselves. And I think those Mm -hmm. kind of go hand in hand, right? They're both relationships. Yeah. The relationship with others can be particularly directed at like a spouse or someone that we see frequently. And it's just like something that we don't create intentionally and we don't give as much attention to as we know that we should. And so things start to deteriorate. And then the self is even more specific, right? Like that looks like, how are we caring for ourselves holistically, like mentally, physically, like spiritually. And some of those latter aspects of the physical and spiritual can be like, I just don't have time for those, which we know is is not true, right? Because there are people out there that are certainly doing that. It's just a matter of how we structure our lives and how much intention we put in those areas. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Obviously, you know that I agree with with all the things that you just said. What does it mean to live intentionally? That's a good question. The words direction and purpose come to mind. Mm -hmm. And they come to mind. uh, I've been very inspired by... Dr. Jordan Peterson in my life and my work and the words direction and purpose come to mind because when we have a clear aim, we can put behind it ways of thinking, ways of being and habits that support that. And those for me are like the parts that are intentional, right? So uh, I'll use an example of, of me like building and growing my own business. I set a direct aim and purpose to serve other young professionals and people that I recognize that I was a handful of years ago. And so that's my purpose, right? That's my goal, that's my mission. And the habits that I use to support that are taking care of myself, my personal health and my relationships. You know, my morning routine and eating breakfast are very, very important to start the the morning in a strong, powerful way so I can show up for my clients. And those are just like two little examples of the habits that support the purpose. Well, it sounds, those are great examples in that it sounds like they're personal examples of how you live your life intentionally. How do you get clients to connect with what their intentional life might look like? 
the first step I really think is to get them to reflect and to think about this. And one of the, the opportunities that I recognized was that our world is, and we're con is constructed and we're taught in a way that's very like cognitive and it's very like fact focused, it's very external. And so one of the things that I focus my clients on is that internal and that inner work. I would even go so far as to say like internal education and, you know, paying attention to those emotions in mm -hmm. the certain areas of our life. Um, you know, I, I often hear from people that work in the corporate world that like, oh, you know, negative emotion is just kind of, I block it out and I shut it out. It doesn't exist. And I really invite them to, you know, reflect on those and to pay attention to them because they are a signal. And, you know, how they make meaning of that signal is not for me to de decide or determine. But really the first step is to reflect, pay attention and develop some awareness in that area around. Mm. So you're really helping people to call out and notice these signals, these internal signals, and then help them to kind of reflect on, it sounds like out loud with you in a safe space to well, like, what the heck do they mean, right? What do I do with this now? So what does it end up looking like? Obviously, a lot of this sounds like it's mindset work, right? In the internal education, as you said. So once they are kind of honing in and on this consciousness of this internal education, what are some of the ways that down the road that it might show up on the surface, the outcomes, so to speak? That's a good question. The, the first thing that's coming to mind is creating our own like mental models of the world. So uh, you know, I'll give you an example of a client who was really like his mental bandwidth, his, his brain was overloaded. There's, there's actually like a, a psychological term for it. It's called ADT. And it's like a, a cousin of ADD. And it's from being overworked. It's from being stressed out. It's from being overwhelmed. And, you know, once we kind of pointed the awareness on those emotional signals where it shows up and what he began to do is he developed his own mental model of processing. And those looked like checklists. Okay this signal is taking place in my life. This person wants my attention. And instead of just attracting to that and automatically responding, taking a moment to like be aware and to direct the processing to what's appropriate. Is this appropriate at this time? Do I need to create a boundary here that says, hey, I'll get back to you in a moment. And what is most important about this interaction? So I think the, the model is really important and, and helping people create their own mental models and how they make meaning in the world and of certain situations is the way that most clearly plays out. Yeah. So I'm hearing a bit of a response. How do I respond to different stimuli? Does that interact with the world of habits and habit formation? Absolutely. Right. Especially living in a world of 24 hour media cycles and social media, like we have stimuli that our, our bodies and brains are not wired or designed to handle. Right. So we have to be able to create like filters to respond to those stimuli. Mm. What's one change in habit that has had an exponential payoff for you? That's a good question. There's so many that are coming to mind. I think waking up early and being mm. a morning person has probably had the biggest payoff. And actually at the beginning of this year, I've gone back and forth in my life, but at the beginning of this year, it was something that I was like, you know what, this will serve me powerfully. I'd already developed a really good like morning routine of eating breakfast and, you know, a really good exercise routine and uh, really good routines. I'm, I'm huge on like play and, you know, time to be creative and, and get out in nature. Like that's super important. And those were all kind of secure, but the morning waking up early, man, adding like a couple hours to your day 
especially when your brain and you actually were the one who taught me this, right? When your brain is kind of more malleable in the morning, you can be creative, you can be driven, you can be focused and you can get more done in the first couple hours of the day than you can in an eight hour workday. So that is really like, if we're talking exponential payoff, waking up at 6am and getting after it, it's been the number one thing. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel like extra time that you found in the day, even though it's, it's been there all along. What was the biggest challenge to you making that shift in habit? Do you think, because I, you know, this isn't new breaking news that morning, you know, waking up early and getting an early start is what, you know, quote unquote, the most successful people do. So what, what was the biggest challenge to just doing it? Why didn't you just do this years ago, for example? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? That voice in your head when you're in bed and it's warm and it's, you know, it's cold. Like, you know, I'm in Utah right now. It's there's snow on the ground and it can be really, really difficult. But being able to discern that that is not your, like what I would call like your true self. That's just, uh, you know, your inner critic or, or, or a judge or some type of like, way of viewing the world, but you know that like deep within that getting up is going to serve you better. So it's really like that moment is the most difficult, but the most important part of changing that habit. Because if you can recognize in that moment that that's not your like true self saying you want to stay in bed and you're like, ah, no, 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 out of my way. It's time to like put my feet on the floor, take a couple deep breaths and go about my day exactly how I want to. And that's not yeah. easy to do. I'm not pretending that's easy. <laughs> no, you haven't claimed that it was easy at all. It sounds very <laughs> simple, but no, you haven't said it was easy. But yeah, if you can tap into that internal education, as you put it, you know, then it's it's like that. This isn't me. This isn't my real voice telling me to stay in bed. I think that's that's, that's really interesting. Along the everywhere, lines, right? it's not just in the morning. Well, that's for sure. Right. And you said yourself, you feel like you've made uh, significant changes, you know, more than one change in habit that have had a lot of payoffs. So, yeah, it makes sense that it would show up. Would, would it be easy? Uh, would it be safe to say that it is it comes down to a simple decision in all the different areas, all the different habit areas? The word simple, I would agree with. I would add the distinction of it being difficult. Yeah, yes, it is a simple decision, but it is not mm-hmm. an easy one to make. But like when you do, when you're able to make it, you're you're certainly right. When I'm able to make it in the morning, I'm also able to make it in the middle of the afternoon. And I'm also Mm -hmm. able to make it before dinner, you know, like, oh, keep working for a couple hours. You know, having dinner with my fiance is very important to us. It's our time to like reconnect after the day. So that's Mm -hmm. another, another moment where that little voice is like, oh, but you have 10 more things to do that can wait. And that's the moment where I decide that that can wait till tomorrow because I've decided that this is important. Is there a thought or a theme that makes it easier to remember, to easier to tie all this together for you? Yeah, that goes back to the the purpose and the direction that I talked about earlier, right? So getting really clear on, and I, and I use four key areas. Some people use seven, you know, some people use, I've seen as many as like 12 different areas of your life. I think four is simple for me. And that's really clear for me, like what is important? What's the purpose in my work? What's the purpose in my relationship? What's the purpose and direction for myself and then for my community? And when I have a clear like vision of what that is, it can make that, it can bolster that decision in the moment, right? Mm. How do you define community? Community can be, in this context, it can be a bit personally like self-defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, I define it in a, 
you know, I mentioned play earlier, right? Uh, and I, I look at it in that type of way. So for me, like the community aspect is, is outdoor oriented, whether it's the skiing community or the backcountry skiing community or the, the climbing or the outdoor community, like creating like intentional time for those aspects to be like a part of my life are important. Now you can also extrapolate that out to, to like volunteer work or, you know, maybe you, you coach for like a local sports team or something like those are all community aspects, but I definitely with clients, like I self define, let people self define that, but that's my, when I think of community, that's my definition. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that is, that is what I was wondering is how you specifically define it. Yeah. What do you feel like you've said no to that has made a significant impact? Oh, this is a, this is a great question. Well, a little, little story for you about saying no. So I, uh, and, you, and you know this, we share a similar background in higher education. And I worked in higher education for, uh, for a short while. And I was about halfway through a master's program. And I really decided through experiences and through like discernment that this was not the program for me. It was not the direction and purpose that I wanted for my life. It wasn't how I wanted it to play out. But what that meant was that I had to say no and I had to walk away from a master's program. And, you know, sharing that with your friends and family, I mean, people look like look at you like you have eight heads. Like, you know, people were telling me things, you can't do that. Like, you can't leave a master's program. What are you going to do? And it was one of the, the more difficult decisions I've ever made in my life, but it was one that had the most significant impact because it helped me to, I'm huge on like walking your talk, right? I talk about direction. I talk about purpose. And I had to, to say no to this idea that people had made that, you know, you have to do this in order to be successful. And I didn't agree with that. And I had to walk my talk and say no and, and choose my path. And that's ultimately how I ended up starting my own business and working as a coach. That's awesome. Anything else you want to say about the, I mean, you, you don't have to, but uh, about getting back into the no things that you've said no to, because it, it, in particular, it was about other people looking at you like you had a million heads or eight heads, right? When you said no to certain things, because you knew it made sense for you to say no to, but then comes in the rest of the world with their thoughts on it. Yeah. This is something I'm really passionate about because, you know, what I did and what I expressed is certainly not unique. In fact, I, I would venture to say that there's probably like millions of people out there who are, are feeling that way. I, I'm not sure who said the quote, but like there's something to the line of, you know, most people live like quiet lives of desperation. Mm-hmm. And the author is escaping me at the moment, but the, you know, the context and the importance is still there because what I did is, is not impossible. Um, it's not escapable. It's, it's not something that like everybody doesn't have access to, but it does take some boldness. It does take bravery and it does take like, really some internal work of like getting in touch with that direction and purpose that you want to like, you know, have that impact that you want to bring to the world. And when you can like tap into that and like understand that it can help bolster that confidence to make a decision at face value that looks crazy, but has been one of the the biggest decisions and made the biggest impact in my life. No big deal. No big deal. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. So what area in your life feels just about perfect? Perfect in quotations, right? Mm. 
my relationship with my fiance is the most beautiful, most powerful and impactful relationship that I've ever been a part of in my entire life. Like I never, it sounds, it sounds like cliche or like fairy tale to say, right? Like I never knew that you could like feel this way about someone, but she is like my rock and she helps me be better in so many ways. And I know that I do the same thing for her, but the way that we communicate and navigate the world together and we're very different actually, which is really, really useful because we support each other's strengths and weaknesses. But yeah, the way that we navigate life together is, it's just so much fun. It's just so enjoyable and it's so heart centered. Like we really like come from a place that like we want to enjoy each other, but we want to like make sure that we create a life that leaves some type of impact, no matter how small. Well, it sounds just about perfect in my mind, even though we, we didn't come, come to a shared, uh, agreement on a definition for perfect but uh it's a good it's a good site right like i, I knew what you uh, were going as mm-hmm. as far well, as like being intentional and putting like perfect in there for sure for sure right because you talked about the cliches and whatnot you know and maybe that goes along with the idea of perfect but there it's genuinely how you feel so i think there's there's something to that the other interesting uh thing is you, you're referring to her currently as your fiance. And my wondering is what happens a year, two years, 17 years from now when you listen back to this and your feelings on the way you feel about your relationship. You know, obviously the title will likely change, but curious about your calibration to what you love about this relationship currently. Yeah, that's a that's a great way uh, to look at it. The title will certainly be changing as of next August. So that's written in stone, but... I'm intrigued by that as well, uh, but I think like just taking it like one day at a time and like, living and, and bringing all these intentional aspects like into our life, like I'm fairly confident that I'll look back and feel the same way. Although life is always mysterious, so you never sure you're never open sure. you're open to the universe and whatever and come what may, right? But sure, there's no reason to believe you would feel any less strongly, right? I'm not suggesting that. I think it's great. Who is someone you admire? And what about them do you admire? So someone I, I actually mentioned him earlier. He's been, an, as I mentioned, he's been a very big influence in my life. But Dr. Jordan Peterson is someone that I admire very deeply um, for many reasons. I think he's incredibly intelligent and he's very eloquent. And I think that he comes from a, a genuine, like a deeply genuine place of care for humanity. But what I most admire about him is his bravery and his ability to to stand up and to say things that need to be said and that a lot of people are thinking, but that in a public space and setting can be very difficult to say. I mean, some of the things that he has conversations about um, and he pushes back against can be difficult to share with your family, right? They can be difficult conversations to have with someone you've known your entire life who just happens to have an opposing view, but to say them in front of audiences of thousands of people and travel all around the world to speak in radio broadcasts and television stadiums or television studios, excuse me, is incredibly like brave and admirable. How do you see that trait in yourself? I think it's a trait that we all have within us. And I, I think it's a trait that I certainly have exercised at times in my life, right? Like my example of saying no earlier 
was a micro example in my life of, you know, standing up and being brave and being bold. And that was just like a, a personal circumstance, right? So I think that I do possess that in many ways. I think it's something that when I, when I mention him being someone that I admire, I think I see myself in the future being able to have more of an impact in a wider context, right? Whether it's through like speaking in conversations and broadcasts like this or in like the education space or other podcasts, like I, I really feel that I have that like voice and fire inside of me and I'm going to continue to grow and to continue to express that in every, in every way that I can. I do not disagree with that. What do you imagine some people admire you for? Well, I happen to have a, a example that it's always great when people share, you know, how they, if they feel about you, how they admire uh, you. And so I, I try and do that as much as possible in my life as well. Cause we don't always know, right? <laughs> like it, yeah, it's good. Like, well, hey, I'll be sure to ask you what you admire about me then after this, but like, Hey, like I, I see you. And yeah. uh, I was with some friends uh, a few weeks ago that uh, I went to college with and very close with. And one of them uh, was sharing with me how he admires me for being like, as he would say, unabashedly myself. So, and by that, like that gets back to like the direction and the purpose and, and kind of like, you know, ties the whole conversation together because he knew me or, or we met at a time in my life where I was very much playing into a character that was created for me by my family, by my culture, by my peers. And I was young enough to discern that it wasn't authentically me, but I wasn't bold or brave enough to act on it. And, you know, now he looks at me as someone who's moved all the way across the country, has left a graduate program and and started serving people that, you know, he once was and really like wants to see grow in a new way in their life and grew his hair out from the, the hard part comb over that I was and really like, authentically stepped into myself in a way that was like powerful and also like does it in a way that like wants to help and empower other people to do the same thing. That's pretty cool. It's cool. when someone tells you that, you know, it's just like my life. It doesn't feel as cool, but. Well, and also you must connect with it and feel a sense of pride about it as well. Right. Otherwise you'd hang on to some other comments someone made about you. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, I don't know if I would use the word pride, but I think it definitely like it falls in the realm because that is something that I see within myself, right? And when I see, I see that within myself and I believe that I'm acting on it, although I don't have a whole lot of real, real world feedback, right? But when, it, when someone that I admire shares with me that, hey, the thing that you think you're doing, you're actually doing, and I really admire you for it, like, yeah, that's, that's a, good, uh, it's a good feedback loop there. Yeah, a good feedback loop. So maybe if not pride, then affirming that someone else is noticing that you are living the life that you set out to live. Absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty great. So I've been I've been giving you the third degree and appreciate your thoughtful responses this whole time. Is there anything you'd like to turn the tables and, and ask me about? Yeah. So I think we've been having a really, really good like conversation. And I really like the way like everything like tied together from like the definition of intentional to really getting like specific and granular into the way that that's like played out in my life. But I'm curious for you, like you, you mentioned what is a habit change that I've made that's had an exponential payoff. And I'm curious, like what's something that you or some habit change or way of being that you really uh, brought into your life and has, how's that had a big impact on you? 
Uh, yeah. So I, I have multiple answers to this. I have short-term habit answers and then kind of a more of the monumental shift, which is in line with what I've said no to, which is learning that I can say no to things. Learning that just because I start something, start down a particular path, doesn't mean it's the best thing for me to finish out to the end. After graduating college, I was on a certain trajectory career-wise. And after almost 10 years on that path, I decided to step off of it. And life has been, I don't want to say amazing ever since, but really rewarding. And not that things weren't rewarding about aspects of the old life, but it wasn't wildly fulfilling. And it was then, it was shortly after my son was born that um, also had a lot to do with it, that I feel like it became a lot more intentional about the decisions I was making, about how I was spending my time, who I was spending my time with. So that shift happened, and that happened years before I was even really aware of coaching or life coaching as, a, as an industry, certainly. There was a major life shift back in 2011 that, you know, I said no to the, the path that I was on that was, you know, by all accounts, very stable and would have set me up. I, I could see my future. I knew what it was going to look like, and I determined a different path for myself. Sounds uh, very similar to the, the story I shared with you, right? And I very much resonate with that. And I, I imagine that through that, that time period and that experience, right? That's, that's been almost 10 years now. Somewhere through there, you developed the definition of what it means to live intentionally. I'm curious what, that, what your definition of that is. So the way I think of intentionality is something I referred to a little bit ago, which is simply spending my time on the people and things that matter to me. And I'm very much about wrapping things up nice and simply as a way to view the world, because I just, I really like the simplicity of it to have a, have some simple filters, how to approach things. And so that's what I've taken with living intentionally is, okay, I look at all these different areas in my life and am I spending my time, my energy, the way I, I really want to and identifying where do I feel like I'm living out of obligation instead of out of what I truly want, out of living out of intention. So, yeah. And I have daily reminders of that. The line of work that I'm now in gives me a constant reminder as I have very intentional conversations with many individuals about how they want to live intentionally. And so for me, it's, it's a way of rigging the system, right? So that I have, I am constantly fed these reminders of living intentionally with other people. And, and I have my own coach as well, who challenges me to live intentionally. So I've kind of built it in something that I don't think is that, well, I know it isn't built into how most people live their lives because I was living my life that way too. This isn't a structure that we put into place necessarily. So for me, it's become a very important framework. And I've only just in the past couple of years uh, latched onto the word of intention and intentionality, but I feel like it really encapsulates what matters to me and how I want to live my life. And also specifically how I want to spend my time in my career. It's a powerful word, the word intention. Yeah, it has a lot to it. It's very simply stated, but it, you know, it captures everything that's that's important. I think what you're, what you're talking about and shifting from that place of obligation, like when you can align with that intention, man, there's no saying what you can't do. Like your world can change. For sure. And I don't think it limits you either. Like you can intentionally choose something that isn't 
best for you, right? You can intentionally ignore some signs, right? You can intentionally continue bad habits or you can intentionally whatever, right? But, but it's still intentional, right? It still gives you pause. Like, okay, am I going to continue making this decision? Yeah, I will. You know, I'm not ready to make a move yet, but I'm intentionally choosing it. And it makes a big difference. It, it keeps you from being victim, letting the world happen to you. And it gives you more of an active role. Like I'm actively making the decision. I am the owner of my life, right? The master of my own destiny, if you will. That player mentality that, that really appeals to me, that makes me wake up most mornings feeling like I got this. This day is going to be whatever I make of it which is a wildly different feeling than waking up and wanting to just like stay in bed because you don't want to face the day. All right. I have, I have one more question just cause this is, this is really, uh, you know, all of these pieces are like coming together. And one of the things that you talked about right there was the victim. Mm. Um, and you know, when we shift from like coming out of that victim way of looking at the world to setting the intention for how we want to like go about our day and go about our life. Like, I, I think that that's, unfortunately like that's the majority of of the world like wakes up in that mm. in that space so I, I mentioned earlier that like shift that like momentary shift in the morning is like changing the habit was there a, a momentary shift or how do you shift out of that victimhood into intention well i don't always do it so readily depending on the situation right like moments ago uh, my dear dog, Blueberry, started barking. And uh, I was very much in victim mentality there, right? I was like, oh, geez, here we go again, right? Like, I can't find a, a time to record this. And, and at some point, eventually, I shifted into player. I'm like, you know what? She's going to bark. I'm not going to change her barking necessarily. That's her natural response as a dog. But what I am going to do is say, I'm sorry, Alex, can you hold on one second, please, while I take control of this situation? So in that instance, it's still a muscle that I'm working, right? So it's not an instantaneous response for me yet to take control of the situation. Or even before that, I can take control by setting the dog up in another room, for example, right? Comfortably in another room where she can bark to her heart's content and it won't interfere. For me in the morning, it's, it's a lot easier because I set myself up the night before, you know, as far as having the intention of taking on the day. A few things that I've started saying no to, I stopped drinking alcohol, for example, uh, a number of months ago during this global pandemic. It makes a, a physical difference of how I wake up in the morning, right? And it, that's just one part of it. Like I physically feel refreshed, more refreshed in the morning and ready to take on the world. Going to bed at a certain time is certainly helpful to make sure I give myself a chance for adequate sleep. Also, looking at my list of things to do that I want to be doing for the next day, you know, just from a preparation standpoint, I don't have to wake up in the morning thinking, okay, what are all the things I have to do today or get done today? I've kind of done that work the night before, the week before. And I know that even if I don't remember all of it verbatim that very moment, I know in my mind that I have a place where I've written that down. I have a go-to place to address that. So it's, it's almost like a peace of mind that I'm able to wake up in the morning and not be holding on to all this stuff. I've been able to process it before waking up in the morning. I, don't, I typically don't toss and turn at night with a lot of different thoughts because I try to process them and, 
and do that intentionally before I go to sleep. Yeah, I love the um, the part where you talk about how the shifting out of that, like the blueberry example is perfect, right? Like shifting out of that is a a momentary thing. I think sometimes people think that like, oh, I just like, you know, even some of the stories I shared, like, oh, well, I just like made this shift and now it's all good. It's in my past. It's behind me. And that's just not the reality of it, right? Like it's it's a muscle and it's a like a response that you condition and, you know, you make part of your norms. And so when it does arise, you, that, that's strengthened and you're more able to like tap into that, like, oh, no, this is how I should respond. And you get better at it, right? You get quicker and quicker. It does work that way. It absolutely does. But it's also, I think it's important to uh, remind yourselves, ourselves, that we shouldn't be expect to just have it all figured out, even though it clicks with us logically, it's not something we're programmed to do. So it just, it doesn't just come like that, you know, on a logical sense, maybe it does, but um, you know, and now she's good. So yeah, I think it's, it, it absolutely is a muscle. It's something that takes effort, but if you tap into the idea that it matters in the life that it's going to give you, if you buy into that idea, then it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to work that muscle and give yourself space to, to screw up from time to time. Yeah. No, people always say like knowledge is power and I'm, I'm not so sold on that. Mm. It doesn't drive behavior change, right? Like you have to, information can change our attitude. And then when we change our attitude, right, that's a middle piece. That's the, where the behavior change comes in. Yeah. Yeah. My mind's going somewhere totally different in the uh, knowledge is power quote, but we can save that for another discussion as it relates to who controls the knowledge, you know, who has the power and controls social structures, right? That's a whole nother. Yeah, it is. I don't want to start. I'll go down that road with you. (laughs) Yeah, I know you will too. But what if we do this? What if I hold you to that, invite you back and that uh, we can pick up with that thought? Absolutely. I I love it. Cool. We could go on for a while, but uh, I want to thank you for taking your time this morning and your, your patience with me figuring out how to best uh, be a dog owner at this. Yeah. Time. Thanks for having me on, man. This has been really, uh, really enjoyable and I'm definitely excited to see where this goes. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, at the, at the very least, I got one more episode on the books for uh, when we talk about knowledge of being power. So you, you just let me know the time and the place. Awesome. All right, Alex. Thank you, my friend. I will talk to you very soon. This has been Intentionally Ever After, hosted by intentional lifestyle coach, Joe Bukartek. If you would like to have your own intentional conversation with Joe on or off the air, visit intentionallyeverafter.com. Thanks for listening.